Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Text the show at 850-850-DNC on the WEEI Sports Radio Network. Busted by one, we have entered the final minute of Game 5. Pierce deep on the left side against LeBron James. Pierce sizing him up, pulls up, it's a three, he got it! Welcome back, Dennis and Callahan. Fourth and final hour. Joining us on the AT&T hotline, AT&T 4G LTE. Our conversation with Sean Grandy is brought to you by Comcast Business Class. Good morning, Mr. Grandy. Are you tired today or are you exhilarated after what you witnessed? I think it's a it's that strange combination of both, you know. You know, when you just at this point, when you, you have that mental clock that you sort of set, uh, towards the end of the season that you think might end, logic dictated everything we thought we knew. Right. Maybe the Celtics go to the second round here. Hey, we and it's like running a marathon, and then when you get to the 26th mile, they say, you know what, this is actually going to be about a 30-mile race. <laughs> Keep going. We, uh, we generally start with big-picture kind of observations, but I'd like to go to what we just heard before we, uh, we, we hooked up with you on the hotline here, and that was that Pierce jumper that put him up 90-86 with 52.9 seconds in LeBron James' face. Now, you've seen a lot of clutch and gutsy shots over the years from the Boston Celtics. Doesn't this one, when you allow for the fact that he was, I believe, 5 of 18 at that point when he took it, qualify to be in the conversation with some of the gutsiest shots you've seen taken? If the Celtics win tomorrow, then the answer to that is going to be yes. There's no question. It's funny how things get. Or You know, one of the great games Paul Pierce ever played, he played a complete 48-minute game and was brilliant in game five of the finals yep. against the Lakers in 08. But that sort of – that begins to fade. The same way the defense Ray Allen played on Kobe in game seven two years ago and Kobe went six for 24, that would have been a different part of Celtics legend how the Celtics win that, won that game. But what, it, what resonates to me about that particular moment last night was the, the duality of Pierce yeah. and LeBron. Yeah. Because, as you say, as that shot already is a part now of Celtics history. No one will ever remember that LeBron dominated Paul Pierce for three and a half quarters in that right. game. Completely, because, you know, Paul, Paul was, what, 1.2 for 13, something like that. LeBron was doing whatever he wanted to do offensively for the first half of the game. And yet the image will always be, Paul Pierce in LeBron's face. And LeBron is just used to, with that long reach in his defense, he feels he can play off a guy because he can cover that ground so quickly. And you, when you watch the replay in super slow-mo, he was an inch away from blocking that shot. And you know what, Sean? You're absolutely right. The duality. Uh, it's almost It was almost cruel because what Pierce did there is what LeBron can't do. Uh, in, in people's minds, the perception is that LeBron can't do that. He can't just uh, step up and nailed this huge clutch shot, a shot that makes you forget everything else that happened in that game. He's just the opposite. He does all these wonderful things, but when you need that big shot, he's incapable of it. And I think right there and then you said, that is the difference in Boston and Miami. Boston has the big ones, man. They have the heart, the guts, the soul, the the, the balls. 
Miami's got all the other stuff that doesn't really matter. And, you know, I was thinking today about the championship team that Miami had here in 2006 that Pat Riley put together. And you realize, yeah, they had, you know, Shaq, Dwayne Wade was the second best player, the same way he is now. And Shaq you know, should have been the MVP that year. But you think about along the way, Gary Payton, Antoine Walker, they made huge shots for Miami down the stretch. And the, and the difference now, well, everything today, every minute of ESPN, wall-to-wall is going to be about LeBron and Eric Spolstra and Miami and everything that went wrong because the Celtics aren't even really in this series nationally. They're just the other guys that are creating the obstacle for Miami. But you realize that because of you know, the salary structure the way it is, Pat Riley, he knows deep in his heart, he wasn't able to put the team around LeBron and Bosch and Wade that he wanted to. And what you see is efforts from the Celtics group that on paper, Keon Dooling making huge shots. You know, this veteran addition, people all year said, Keon Dooling, what is he adding to this team? Mikhail Pietras has just been terrible offensively in the playoffs, but he was due for a game like that. And what we're learning, we, even though we have stars rammed down our throats all the time, is that a great team will always beat the two best players. Right. Oh. And, well, and, well, the, and now we get to the third best player. At least I think he's their third best player. He, he didn't play in the fourth quarter. Maybe he the coach doesn't agree with you. Three and a half minutes in the second half. Do you think that this thing is going to leave a mark? The fact that Spolster left Bosch on the bench as this fourth quarter got away from them and uh, after the game said he didn't think it would be fair to play Chris Bosch. I never take things completely on the level when coaches speak after a game. I wonder if that is if that is the 100% truth, and that was a 100% decision by Eric Spolstra, then absolutely. I wonder how much Chris Bosh, even though I know what he said after the game, I wonder how much Chris Bosh was okay to come back in. I wonder how much he wanted to go back in. I don't know these things. You know, these are things that will, in time, maybe we'll find out. It certainly was puzzling because he played well and he made a difference. And you saw it was at one point, I think I said in real time, it was Celtic fans' nightmare of what Chris Bosch was able to do because he was getting offensive rebounds mm. and he was occupying Kevin Garnett. And one of the reasons, one of the reasons that Dwayne Wade has been so ordinary in this series is because Kevin Garnett hasn't been as occupied defensively. He's been able to help Ray Allen in this series. And if Chris Bosch, if that was almost a warm-up, to what he's able to do, and he can get back closer to full strength for tomorrow night. You see, that's a weapon that Miami hasn't had in the series, and those were important minutes that he played. But I, I wonder about the Spolstra. You know, Spolstra always says strange things after the game. Remember last year he talked about everybody crying in the locker room and right. different guys, and you wonder. I'm a, I'll say this. I'm a fan of Eric Spolstra, but you can clearly see the difference right now between the two coaches. You can see one coach coaching a team he's very comfortable with, another coaching a very flawed team through a very difficult environment. And I think we know, everybody knows, that Eric Spolcher is going to be the one that has to walk the plank if this goes badly for Miami tomorrow night because it's sort of the last thing that they can do before they realize that Wade and LeBron might be two of the five best players in the world, although Dwayne Wade hasn't been anywhere close to that in this series. But they don't necessarily fit together. And the only thing left, the last line of defense before you get to that ultimate conclusion that I think you're going to have to reach, is you can change the coach. 
Once you do that, then you're out of ideas. You know, Sean Grandy, we, we've been around long enough to, to understand there's coach speak and there's player speak, and so you take it, as you say, with a grain of salt. But they both went out of their way, talking about Bosch and Spolstra, to say certain things after the game. Bosch said, I had more to give. I felt good out there. And right after he said, I didn't think it would be fair to put Chris Bosch back in that game with three minutes to play, he admitted that he saw no rust. He saw a lot of energy out of Bosch, and he was fine when the game was over. So coach speak or player speak be damned, they went out of their way to say that things were okay and I had more to give, and I was ready to go back in there, and no explanation other than it wasn't fair. So I think you're right. It'll probably leave a mark. Oh, yeah. He's, he's, Eric Spolster's on front street on that one. There's no question. But to me, sometimes things are so puzzling. You just kind of say, wow, did that, did, did that really happen? Did Chris Bosch really not come back yeah. in? Like we assume you have to make an assumption when you're in the, in the middle of the game. Max and I, even during the break, were like, he must not be okay. Mm-hmm. Maybe he strained it. Maybe, you know, whatever. Like, because that sequence with him in the game went so well. And there's, you know, his basketball conditioning elements about he'd only played, you know, he hadn't played at all. I, you know, remember the, the, the comp, the statistical comp, if you will, on the injury. Garnett had the same thing in 2008. And when he came back, he struggled for three or four games before he finally got, got back in the flow. So that was what our eye came back. He struggled for three or four games before he finally got got back in the flow. So that was what our eyes, and then you, as you said, you mix that with what Spolster and Bosch said after the game. And it's a, hey, it's one of many legitimate conversations to have over the next 48 hours. But the one, you want to talk about the duality we're talking about, about LeBron and Pierce? How about the one between LeBron and Dwayne Wade? Because LeBron has carried Miami through this entire series, and Dwayne Wade's had maybe two good quarters. Right. I just can't help but thinking, every time we watch these games, that LeBron, had his dot cloud has to be, when did Dwayne Wade turn into Mo Williams? This is why I left Cleveland, so I wouldn't have to carry a team all by myself. And it's amazing that LeBron can do no right here in Miami, and Dwayne Wade can do no wrong. We're talking with Sean Grandy, the Celtics radio play-by-play voice. And you know, Sean, the accepted theory around here is the one – Celtic that the Celtics can't afford to lose would be Rajon Rondo, and that's probably true. But the more I watch and as I take notes and I write down the runs that the Celtics make, but more importantly the runs the Heat make when Kevin Garnett is out of the game, and it is unmistakable how much better the Heat seem to be when KG is taking his minute and a half break on the bench. KG's got to be in that conversation as well as the guy you can't afford to lose. He's the MVP of the playoffs right now. And, again, it's because of a lot of things that he does that don't show up statistically. We're in the middle of the, you know, the statistical revolution that came to baseball 10 years ago. Mm. is starting to creep into basketball. So there's more, I think, ways to appreciate and to enumerate what Kevin Garnett does for the Celtics. But all you need to know are the plus-minus numbers. And the reason, the Celtics last night, that was the first time they have survived a playoff game without Kevin Garnett. They played Miami even last night pretty much with Kevin Garnett out. That has not happened. When you look at the numbers, when Kevin Garnett is out of games for the Celtics, they've played about 200-plus minutes in the playoffs. They've been outscored by 117 points. And if you look at those numbers, what that means basically is that Charlotte this year was the worst team in NBA history, and they were outscored by about 14 points a game. The Celtics in the playoffs without Kevin Garnett, if you project the numbers out, would be outscored by 28 points a game. That is Twice unbelievable. Bad, the worst uh, team ever. You know what? We were talking to Doc the other day and looking at, I was looking at the box score while I'm talking, and I'm thinking, you have never coached a smaller team. And he said, never. Uh, you, you, Garnett's their center, and he's not a center. 
Brandon Bass is their only other big man of significance. I mean, he went a game without uh, Petrus played 30 seconds and, and, and Hollins didn't play at all. And that's the size up front. Bass and Garnett, and that's it. And they're, and they're one game away Korea from the finals. What was that? Greg Stevenson was playing in Korea last year. Ryan Hollins was struggling making an NBA roster. And this is what Doc, Doc Rivers, this is a MacGyver coaching job right now. He's just, you know, whittling all this stuff together to try to find minutes. But the two moments of the season, and it's ironic there's no Avery Bradley now, Kevin Garnett's move to center and his ability to play that position, which we, you know, we learned defensively. Because mm-hmm. we knew offensively he'd be able to be a stretch and, and take centers with him and be effective. We knew that. But his ability to defend the five was really the moment that turned this thing around. Well, you know, hey, you know, and now, so tell us now, Sean, back to Boston tomorrow night, the Heat have zero chance to win this game, right? Is that how this I don't works? I agree with that. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. Because, first of all, we saw what they could do with Chris Bosch. And if he can play more minutes, that's very significant. Well, would it be well, fair, as, though? As, We're not I'll sure. This way. As a storyteller, now what you have, that's the way it feels today. It certainly feels that way. Of course it does. But the stage continues to be set for LeBron to have his <laughs> Michael Jordan moment. And at the very least, you've got the stage. You had it two years ago, and he, you know, he, he wasn't that good, but the team around him was horrible in that series and in that sixth game. But it, the opportunity is certainly there to have that great moment. Beating Miami four times in a row hasn't happened. You know, the, the Miami doesn't lose four games in a row. That's an extremely difficult thing to do. Of course, the, the crowd, I can't even imagine right now. We're, we were talking last night when we got back to the hotel, uh, you know, with Doc and a couple of the guys just trying to imagine and project what the environment no. is going to be like tomorrow. But, you know, as you guys know, as this entire season in which nothing really has gone the way we thought right. that it would, picking Celtic games is like a Daniel Bard fastball. You may think you know where it's going, but you really have no idea where it's going to end. Well, we've all agreed that the one thing we know for sure about the Celtics is they never do things the easy way for themselves. So that might be another reason that Game 6 doesn't go quite that way, and maybe they'll go down and win it in Game 7 in, uh, in Miami, but that remains to be seen. Hey, Sean, is it is it significant that the stars on one team kind of do what each other does? That's Wade and LeBron, but the complementary, the stars on the Celtics are very complementary to one another. As an example, I mean, it's pretty obvious. KG is a great help defender. Paul Pierce is a scorer and a slasher. Ray Allen is a shooter, and Rajon Rondo is a driver and a distributor. Those four pieces of the puzzle seem to fit much better in terms of I'm doing something you're not, and you're doing something I'm not, as opposed to Dwayne and LeBron both trying to essentially do the same thing. Of course, you know, that's it. That's it with Miami. This is a, you know, there's a fantasy team element to what they put together here. And again, without, and you know, Power Riley isn't, you know, this is a, a, he's a basketball savant. He understands this as much as anybody. It's what I was saying about you can't, he didn't have the ability with no money left, no salary space left to put together the complimentary pieces. Mm-hmm. He wanted to try to cobble this thing together because, again, we, I remember in the two years ago at this exact moment going into the sixth game with LeBron and, you know, the Celtics in that fifth game two years ago in Cleveland, that's when they really they just sort of changed the course of NBA history with that awful fifth game that Cleveland had and it paved the way for LeBron to leave. And, you know, when he did, we were talking that day about the different places he could go. And a lot of people still felt he'd stay in Cleveland. But to me, Chicago was the obvious choice where he could play with Derrick Rose. And with Dwayne Wade, when you have two of the best five players in the world, think about it. They got to the finals last year, had to lead 
in the NBA Finals on a great chance to win the championship with the same flawed concept. That's how good these guys are. But at the end of the day, a great five-man unit right. that fits together will beat five better players if they are not you know, playing the same, if they, they, they don't fit together. They overlap. And you know, Chris Bosh, in some ways, makes it easier for them because he can do a couple of things that they can't do, which is just those long-range shots oh. late in the shot clock. Right. And so that helps. But at the end of the day... Wayne Wade and LeBron James are two players that the deck doesn't shuffle neatly. Right. right yeah. And neither of them is coming up in the clutch. So maybe yeah. Wade has caught you know, the bug from LeBron and can't hit that big shot now either. But here's what's amazing, Sean. We've been on for three hours and uh, 20 minutes. We haven't mentioned the officials. You want to talk about surprises. Yes, how refreshing upsets, is that? Something different. We have not mentioned the refs or their impact on that game in three and a half hours. You know what's interesting about that, Jerry, is that there were a couple of calls. It wasn't the perfectly officiated game last night, but it was a well-managed game. Monty McCutcheon and that group did a, did a great job sort of managing the game, not being overly involved. The And I thought it was the perfect example of what we always talk about whenever I've been on with you guys, and it, there's always that conversation about the officials. And I believe in my heart of hearts, that about five or six years ago, they made the rule changes with that block charge in the restricted area. I think they've made the game too complicated, too difficult to officiate meticulously. And I think a lot of it leads to a lot of the problems. And last night, the only mistakes that were made in a very well-officiated game were those block charges, the, the one late, the Celtics got a break right. late on that Paul Pierce one. He was inside the circle. Chalmers was clearly moving uh, at the be- in the beginning when he got that first foul on Rondo. And to me, you've just given... The block charge call is very difficult in and of itself. If you're not adding an extra thing you have to look at with guys you know, sliding over where their feet are in that circle, and to me it's a perfect example of a marvelously officiated game that the only mistakes that were made were on that complicated block charge call. Uh, and, and finally, Sean Grandy, uh, you know, we talked about the anticipated environment in Game 6 tomorrow night, and we, we can't imagine what it's going to be like. Actually, we can. It's going to be just absolutely insane. But that leads me to ask you this. Are the fans in Miami aware that they are allowed to stand up during a basketball game before it's time to leave and go home? Did they ever stand up and go nuts there? It was – it gets pretty loud, but it's, a, it's obviously it's a different – you know, it's a different kind of environment, and there is a – uh, it is a place to be. It's a scene. It's a laid back. Yeah, and that's you know that that's natural, and it's easy. You know, we are any of us who are northeasterners. We are very, you know, proud of the fact that we wear it all on our sleeves, and we have the, you know this great long history and people that have watched the Celtics from the time that, you know their entire lives, a team that's been around for 65 years and knows the NBA game, and you you mix that in some of these other environments. And there are obviously great fans of the Miami Heat, but again, uh, it is. Uh, a, a loge section that is there. There's an LA element to it. Yeah. Uh, there's you know without quite it's a, it's a celebrity crowd, and it's a the late arriving crowd. It's an early departing crowd, and uh, who knows? One more bad night, and they're going to be the whole team is going to be the party. Is that the best they could do for celebrity watch? They come up with Jeremy Shockey and Amari Stoudemire. Yeah, That's it? as Max said, don't NBA players and Max have anything better to do. Than to come to NBA games, <laughs> it's over. And for, but I have to tell you, sometimes maybe it was a, it was something that like a shrink told him to do. But for Amari to come back into the building and face the fire extinguisher, yeah, I thought that took a lot of. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was in disguise. He was. <laughs> he was. He was dressed as, as a homeless guy. I think. As, yeah. 
Uh, Mike Piazza was there, too, so that was your third celebrity. Oh, wow. Yeah, 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 that's big time. Well, we know it'll look and sound a lot different tomorrow night at Boston Garden. Sean, thanks very much for the time. I'm going to put you on hold. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.